it finally happened. Chuck Fletcher is out. Danny Barrera is promoted. What does it mean? Is it just temporary? Let's talk about it all right now. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It is episode 145 of Orange and Back Check, and it is the one we have been waiting to discuss for the better part of this season. For me, probably this entire season. For Scott, probably like a week and a half ago. Uh, and that's perfectly fine. The end of the Chuck Fletcher era is finally here and done. Initial thoughts, Scott. What immediately as soon as I called you, what was it yesterday, Friday, saying they've moved, they did it, he's out. Thoughts, shock, honestly. Um, and first of all, I want to apologize. My voice is almost gone, as you could probably hear, it's not quite there. So, but it, it's too important to uh do this podcast and not you know skip out on news like this. So, just bear with me today. Um, I was actually shocked. I, I I didn't expect it to happen until after the season. You knew it was coming. Um, I just think that with everything that transpired over the past week, um, with the the trade deadline, if you ask me, is probably the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, and then really seeing it where the fans were booing him at the town hall last weekend. Not just fans, not just fans, season ticket holders. Yeah. Like yeah. that that's your bread and butter for how you make revenue as a company, especially in sports, like Coatsy trying to tell them to stop. We played the clip last week. I mean, th- that was let's keep it on classy. The let's keep yeah. it classy. Like I I my initial thought was just day late and dollar short. Like I I just thought you trusted this guy who clearly I don't think was on the same page with the coach in the realism of what was happening here because they tried the aggressive retool stuff and all that. And then finally, uh, Tortorello pens that letter to season ticket holders like, this is going to take a while. We're not there yet, but we appreciate as much as you can to get us to this point um, while we lay the do the rebuild. I don't think he said explicitly rebuild. I know he talked – he mentioned rebuild once, and it was an interview months ago with uh, Jason Martinez. But like – I never thought that there was a coalition between or a collaboration, I should say, sorry, between uh, Fletcher and Torts, and it, which is really ironic because of Fletcher obviously hiring him. And yeah, I like you. As soon as they started booing him on the stage at the season ticket holder meeting after the after the the meet after the trade deadline, that was an epic failure. Like you can't you can't have him. Like, you can't have that guy as a GM anymore. And, yeah, I, I just think it's a day late and a dollar short because you're not you're not p- positioning Danny Breer, and we'll get into it later, you're not positioning Danny Breer in any type of fair evaluation, in my opinion. And fans are going to turn on him relatively quickly, whether that's fair or not. Well, I disagree with that. I think that per, like, you know, Elliot Freeman and Jeff Maurer were talking about on 32 Thoughts, they were mentioning that they'd be very surprised, like, like, Elliot Freeman said this, I would be speechless. Like literally I would have no words if the Flyers don't give Danny Briere the opportunity to try to work this out. Now, in one of the two roles, not because they're going se- to separate this. Yeah, they're going to separate the, the roles. This is the the one of the smart decisions that they're finally making in my opinion. They're doing a GM and president of hockey operations split. And I think that is the right move because you need as many intelligent if you're going with Briere 
in the GM role. You need a president of hockey operations like a like a Burke almost, like if he's out there and willing to come back. You need a veteran in this situation because there's a lot of question marks around Danny Briere from people like me where I don't necessarily know if he's the answer. I don't think he's the answer, but I can, can be convinced if he's surrounded with the right team. And that's the honestly the biggest question mark because there's who knows what's going to be what this front office is going to look like in two months now come May. Let's take it. Let's take a step back. First of all, okay. Danny Briere was the president of hockey operations for the ECHL team, the Reading Royals at some point. And he learned the business up that way. He went and did scouting assignments. He did everything along those lines. So he he's come up the, the right way through the business. Like Steve Eisenman did like Chris Drury did like all these former players that yes, they play the game. Danny hasn't been away from the game that long. So that's, that benefits him. I know you're not saying he's the answer because, look, there's a lot of proof. But here's what Dave Scott said yesterday. Dave Scott said in a press press statement that we know this is a multi-year process. So you you can't regard – the outside hire was Chuck Fletcher. They went outside the box with him. They went outside the organization with him, and it did not work. So regardless of what's going on, you got to give Danny some rope. He's been in the job one day now. Like, you, you can't say he's not the answer. That's not fair to him. Yes, it's an interim tag right now. He'll probably get some rope with it with the next season with a plan and stuff like that. But that's the benefit of having a person that can be president of hockey ops to kind of be – the president of hockey ops is supposed to be the gray hair in the room. They're the liaison between, you know, the, the hockey ops side and the business side. Chuck Fletcher was doing both roles. Now you separate that. So you have Danny who could do it, or if he's in, if he's, you know, continues in, in the GM role, who knows? He could be president of hockey ops too, and they could bring in another GM. I don't foresee that happening. Um, but I think that with Danny Breer has an experience, he can focus solely on hockey ops. And then this president can kind of be the gray hair in the room. That's with like, for instance, like you kind of see it happening throughout the league a little bit. Like Brian Burke, his last role in Calgary was there, you know, basically the gray hair in the room, president of hockey ops. He's in Pittsburgh now over, you know, with Ron Hextall and he's president of hockey ops. And it's not looking good right now. Pittsburgh's in revolt too, which adds a lot of questions about Burke. Despite me bringing well, up a couple I, of I wouldn't. Ago. I think that's more on Hexo because people don't realize that. Listen, let's let's put let's put the two things in, in comparison here. So, the reason they brought Burke in to Pittsburgh, and so that way Flyers fans have an understanding of how this process is going to work, when, especially when you're looking at a rebuild, because it it really seems like if they're saying multi year, uh, I don't know if they're going to expect it to go as fast as the Rangers one did. Um, but this could be long term. We might be looking at another five year project here. Okay, so let's look at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, they're going to have the Malkin, Crosby, and Latang, their core for the rest of their careers with the contracts they signed this past summer. Burke was brought in to make sure they kind of massage that to make sure those three players would stay. But the thing is, Pittsburgh does not have a good cupboard underneath it. They peaked in 2016. They peaked in 2017. They haven't been back as far since to go since they won their Stanley Cups five years ago. Now you're in a situation where you've been good for so long, you don't have the prospect pool. That's why Hextall is there. Hextall is a build your foundation cupboard guy. That's what he is. And also, there's a way for um, them to kind of stay competitive at the same time, even though they've traded some assets because they're trying to maximize the rest of, you know. Crosby, Malkin, and Latang, because guess what? 
once those guys retire, Pittsburgh's going to be at the bottom of the division again because that's where they're heading. They've been good for 15 years. It's it's their careers are coming to a close. So what I'm saying is that you bring in a hockey ops guy like a Brian Burke who can come in here and kind of give advice of what way we can go and kind of be a sounding board for an inexperienced GM like Briere that could help because you have the same thing like in Montreal with um, uh, Jeff Gordon and I forget the name of the GM off the top of my head after they fired Mark Bergerman. So, um, yeah, there's there's uh, there there. This is a good thing that the Flyers are doing if they're doing that. But this is the only move they're going to make. Apparently, there's going to be more moves made. And I bet you 10 to 1 it's Dave Scott. I bet you 10 to 1 that, that that's the next move. Yeah, I, I and it's I, I don't know how. Look, the other than Dave Scott potentially leaving, like I think they finally like reached a point where they're like, oh shit, the fans are right to a certain extent. A majority of the fans, I should say, where they said even even what even after uh, Chuck Fletcher was hired in 2018, after the firing of of Ron Hextall, like this, what they're doing now allegedly. Because I still don't have trust in this franchise in the sense of you have to earn our trust back. I think a lot of fans feel that way, including myself. Um, what they did in 2018 was trying to like, hey, this team is in not dire straits, but we're not great. Uh, we have a s- decent cupboard, but it's not being executed properly. They immediately call up Carter Hart. He flashes. Uh, he takes the world by storm. Lightning in a bottle. Plays great. Becomes the the goalie of what we see today who's continuing to play outstanding. Um, but like it reached this boiling point over the last year and a half, two years, really, where they tried to say like, well, Chuck Fletcher has made this team worse, but it's okay. Cause we're doing an aggressive retool. We're making big leaps. We're making, trying to make big contract high, uh, uh, big ch- contract signings and see what we can get from it. And now we're back where we've been clamoring for the last two years saying, you need to tear this down to the studs and figure it out. And people like Dave Scott. Even Danny Briere, I don't know how he feels about it, uh, and certainly Chuck Fletcher, who basically said like he was terror. He, for a lack of a the exact quote, I'll paraphrase. Like he basically said he was scared of the word rebuild. Well, dude, then you're in the wrong business. Like b- rebuilds are part of sports. Like that is how this operates. If you like, you just said about with Pittsburgh, they're on the up and up, and now they were on the up and up, and now they're on the decline uh, after the the retirements of their big three. And then it's over, and then they're back to where. They have to start rebuilding again and maybe be threatened to be leaving Pittsburgh. Who knows? Maybe we'll get that again. That'll be fun. And then they just conveniently get uh, the the flash that is Sidney Crosby. Listen, I mean, yes, it could be possible that they could get a Connor Bedard and, and, and things are accelerated. But look, that's what that's what that's the caveat. Like if they if they bottom out, say like the rest of the team, like it seems like that we saw Tyson Forrester join whether he's ready or not, he's been playing pretty well down in the AHL. I think I saw 18 goals over 56 games, which is which is a good slew for a guy that's in his first year in the AHL or second second one and a half. Like and coming off an injury too. Yeah, coming off an injury. So that's fun. That's great. That's th- like, but you, I would say I would have said I would not have expected him to be seen once he didn't make the initial roster coming out of camp. Um, but hey, we're at that point. Like I said last week, once Cutter Gautier is done in Boston University. Call him up. Sign him to that three-year ELC. So get back to the point. If you land, tear this down to the studs, bottom out, and go get Connor Bedard, you accelerate what you had a five-year window for, probably down to two or three. Maybe a year and a half. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know, man. That is a that is a talent. 
this draft, honestly, is a talent pool of, wow, this could change the trajectory of our Correct. plans. Raw talent. Raw, raw talent. But, okay, let's go back and let, let me give you another example of how long something like this could take. How long was Tampa bad before they became good consistently? Long time. Long time, man. They won a cup in 04, but they were really bad from, you know, 2006 on and until they got Stamkos. Both Florida teams in their early years had early, early on success, Stanley Cup final appearances, and then bottomed out or just played poor, poor, and now are seeing sustained success, obviously Tampa being the better of them. Right. So, like, for instance, okay, I don't think just adding a player like Bedard makes you any kind any any better and any makes you better talent wise, but I don't think it makes you a better team because you need to surround players around. It. It's a perfect example at Edmonton. Let's see how far they go because and even Toronto, Toronto, look how much talent they have, and they can't get out of the first round. Everyone wanted first round in almost twenty years. I didn't realize this until I read read an article. I think it was COC. I can't remember, but like yeah, we had that playoff appearance in twenty twenty, but it was in the bubble. We haven't seen playoff hockey in Philadelphia. In a decade. Well, here's that's why. And here's and here. And so or five years, six years. Sorry. Since 20, 20, uh, 2018. So look, Washington. Okay. Uh, Pittsburgh. Washington was 2016. Um, Neither here or there. doesn't matter. (laughs) I'm not going to go details. But here's here's the key. Here's the key. Before we even go back on and see how long this thing can take. Let's let's talk about talking about what where Chuck Fletcher went, went wrong, because I think that you you just talked about how they weren't on the same page. They the the issue I think was is that the Flyers when they fired Ron Hextall thought they were further along in the rebuild than they really were, and that's why they went out and signed Kevin Hayes. That hasn't worked out. It clearly shows that they did not have enough talent in the pipeline because with the industries they sustained over the past two seasons, they haven't been able to overcome it, and that's a problem. So that's why you go in his first season where you know he gets it and he gets becomes gets the GM job. He's overseeing fifty seven games, twenty six, twenty five, and six record. Next season, 41, 21, and 7. But since that, he's he has peaked at 25 wins per season. So, and that's and that's including the lockout season. So, I mean, I'm not like I'm saying the COVID season. So, you know, at a 56, 82, and 65 games, he's gotten 25, 25, and 24 wins. There's clearly, and I and I understand that they were trying to, but so clearly there was a disconnect from the beginning about where they're at. And I understand the moves you tried to make and things went wrong. But there's a lot more that, that with that, like not being able to trade, you know, for at the trade deadline for JVR, and just to, you know, not, maybe not making some moves of getting a backup goaltender, you know, and having to rely on Felix Sandstrom, you know, and, and, you know, after the whole incident with um, Ivan Fedotov went down, there were little mistakes like that that I really think just set this team back further than what they needed to go. And also, if you're looking at it from a perspective of how quickly this team can come out, let let's I'll give you a great example of how long it can actually take. I mean, it took the Avalanche almost ten years to win a Stanley Cup since they started their rebuild back in two thousand nine, two thousand ten, uh, or two thousand ten, two thousand eleven, right around there when they got really bad. They bottomed out in the league in like the um, around twenty six or twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen, right around there. They were really bad and started working their way back up. But look at like the the Red Wings back from like. You know the mid '80s before they got Steve Eiserman. Steve Eiserman didn't win a Stanley Cup until he was 32 years old. Most people don't forget that. Like it was until they got the pieces surrounding that town. Like they had raw talent in Steve Eiserman, but they had to surround him with guys like Igor Larionov, um, you know Sergei Fedorov, Nicholas Lidstrom, 
all those guys that you had to get and identify that talent as you went along. And again, that, we're talking a different era because that's when the Soviets started coming over and, you know, there were people, teams were taking risks in that, but you're missing the point. Steve Eiserman was the catalyst of all that, kind of like Steven Stamkos was in Tampa. And then you surround them with pieces and you can get long-term longevity, kind of like what the Flyers tried to do when they had Lindros, but it just didn't last as long. So the whole idea is that, you know, like, look at Sidney, look at Sidney Crosby. Like it's since he's since uh since he came into the league, oh five, oh six, they missed the playoffs. But oh six, oh seven, they were in the thick of it. And they won a cup two years later. Now they had some down years after that, but they always had enough talent around them to make it competitive enough to do that to build a team around their top stars. The problem in Edmonton right now is that you have two elite players, but you have so much money tied up in those two players. You can't address your defense. You can't address your goaltending. Jack Campbell's fallen flat on his face this season. So Edmonton's a question mark. Toronto's the same thing. You've got $40 million, over $40 million tied up in four offensive players. Your defense is weak. Your goaltending's been questionable for years, and you can't win that. So it's just... You, you, who knows what's going to happen with them this year? I mean, the chances are they have, might have a mental block that they can't get out of that first round. But, you know, the whole point I'm trying to make here is that sometimes these rebuilds take a lot longer than people think. I mean, it took years of Toronto being bad just to be able to go lose in the first round every year So and get all that talent. It you took, just had to get that dig. I had to. I hate Toronto. <laughs> I hate no, the Maple I, Leafs. I, I see what you're saying, but, like, I think there's a part of the organization, and maybe they're going to be gone by the time this, uh, by the end of the season in May or April, but they'll make the changes in May or whatever. Um, that they think, especially with how good Morgan Frost has played, how good Farabee has played, uh, TK having a worldly season, their hope is that Danny Briere gets out of these really bad contracts. Really bad contracts, and that's the problem. Because they're so bad, you're not going to get a lot of return and then make a, a lot of a noise because uh, I think it's a tall task for him to get out of Risto line, uh, Risto especially. Risto like, isn't it, a bad contract. Risto is not a bad contract. I think Sandheim is the bigger question mark. That's true. Yeah, Sandheim's that. got that eight-year deal. Nobody's taking that. So if you move Provorov, you've got to do that. So that's the question is that, What's he going to look at first? Are you looking at trading Konechny for pieces? Are you going to go to the Rangers route and not trade like they didn't? They didn't trade some of their players like Chris Kreider, Mika Zibanejad. It's um, really it's it's going to be dependent on where they land in the draft order. No, truly I don't is. think so. I don't think this draft. I don't think this draft makes a difference. I mean, and what? Yes, it makes a difference if you get Connor Bedard, but I don't think this draft makes a difference because even if you get Adam Fantelli from Michigan, you're not playing on the first year. You're not, and you still have Cutter Gochi in the way. At this point. You need to start accumulating talent in your pipeline because you don't have enough of it right now. I mean, listen, with all due respect to these guys, you know, the names I'm about to say, like Elliot Denya, sorry, he doesn't impress anybody. You know, Tyson Forrester, he has first round pick, but I mean, if you're good enough, if you're good enough, you'd be up here by now. And, and that's the concern is that you don't have that young talent that that worldly talent that you're finding, it's not the top picks in the draft that matter the most. It's the value that you find the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds that can give you the longevity of having you guys. Well, in that case, Noah Cates is looking all right. Noah Cates is a good pick, but I think they might be done on Morgan Frost. I mean, it's very possible. Look, if you were to put a thing, if you were at a private one-on-one meeting today with Danny Briere and said, this is the first thing you need to do, to gain some trust back. Like, if it's a serious sign to fans, like, hey, if you do this, 
fans will start to buying into your system. What's that first thing? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get a, you gotta make a big move. You gotta make a splash move, like whether it's dumping a salary like Kevin Hayes, whether it's trading a big name like Ivan Provorov or Travis Konechny. May not want to do that because I know I know Briere has worked directly with Travis Konechny about playing more of the inside, which Konechny's playing much better because of that. I don't think they would want to trade Konechny right now, but like make a move like trade Provorov, okay? Like. Maybe you maybe a couple seasons back you look at him and say, ah, maybe we should have pulled the trigger on him and Lina between him and Lina. You know what I mean? That's possible. Um, but you got to do something that's going to give the fans excitement. And I don't think it's there. And I don't think it people people are the fans are okay, you know, and people are okay with tearing it down and rebuilding. People prefer that. They if really the, would. If, yeah, because you're if you're being honest, honest with ourselves. Right. If you're being honest, yes. They want the organization to be honest. And it seems like they're getting to that point. I got to see it to believe it. I, I, well, I'm that's still the thing that, is that yeah. it, the Flyers have done it before. They haven't done it since, you know, back after they, you know, after the 87 season. They made a playoffs a couple of seasons. But before they got Lindros, they missed the playoffs a couple of years in a row. So, you know, you're going up on your your third season in a row of missing the playoffs. So you, you're you're already you're already you're already in the thick of it. So, you know, that's I don't. The, I, I, this is going to be skewed to the younger fan base. I think probably you're a little older than me, probably around your age and younger. Dan Briere's first move, disassociating himself with any other alumni of this organization. That, I think, is the absolute wrong answer. No, no, no. Because if the rumors are true, though, that these voices in the room are guiding Fletcher, were guiding Fletcher to do what he was doing, then they're the wrong goddamn answer voices in the room. This is where the president of hockey ops comes in and becomes the gray hair in the room because it might be a flyer alumni. Yep. I know what happens if it's Bill Barber or Clark. I or highly Holger. doubt that. I think Clarkie is done. I Clarkie's an he advisor. Clarkie Clarkie's done. Like there are guys they can come in and they can they can give, you know, advice or whatnot, but they're not like the big voices in the room. They're not. Like that's a cop out. Sorry, I know that, that there's there, there's infor- there's information that's out there and stuff. That's a cop out. That's actually giving Chuck Fletcher more credit. That's actually taking the blame away from him. Yes, there's a lot of people, but there's also other guys in there. The analytics department looking too much into that. Uh, you know, you, you're going in the Matt Clentak version of you know of, yeah, of a hobby. Maybe. But honestly, that's where that's where I'm still hesitant on Briere as a whole because what what excited me about Fletcher was he he was the outside hire. It wasn't Clark to Holmgren and all that, and it did blow up in your face. But that doesn't mean you don't do it again. And that's where I'm. I think there is a slight amount of hesitancy on this franchise to give it to Briere because of that. Uh, and that's why they're only giving him the interim. Now I may be wrong on that. It might be just interim because it's league rules. Like with Rob no, Tom, it's just that they're yeah. not going to be. Oh, we're going to name you general manager because they might have a different plan in place. Yeah, exactly. Like it might be like Rob Thompson at the Phillies. Like clearly had the uh, organization bought in but they had to keep the interim tag on him uh until the playoffs it's a prove it type deal it's a prove it type deal right now but there's nothing to prove right now it's interesting that it is an interim because it gives a prove it to danny briere but i don't know what he can prove other than making that big splash like you said like doing a carter and richards type of trade with hayes Provorov, connect the combination of one of those three two of those three whatever it is and just signaling to the fans like this is happening. We're stripping it down. We're figuring it out. But that also raises the question of what happens to Tortorella? I'm not saying you're going to fire him. No. But is he motivated? Well, he is a pretty motivated guy. Is he 
the right guy in place because it's, again, it's kind of like a, a what's the phrase? Um, uh, I, I, whatever it is, like he becomes not as irrelevant, uh, not as relevant as he should be because no. you know he's not going to no. be part of this. I, I, success. I Tortorella's not doing it. Tortorella's not going anywhere. First of all, so they're not going to pay two coaches to not not coach here. He signed a couple year deal for a reason. He's gonna. The idea of Tortorella is to get this franchise back to playing to where it needs to play. No more excuses of like Mike Yo coming out and saying Scotty Bowman couldn't do anything with this team. That's a cop out. Sorry, it's it is because guess what? Torrell's squeezed a lot of talent out of not of a talentless roster for the most part. Like you know, figuratively figuratively speaking, but like that's the thing is that he Torrell is going to be here for a while. He's going to run out the remainder of his contract, and then you'll get to a point where Torrell, like he said in his opening press conference when he started. You know, he probably spent one year too many in Columbus. He'll, at some point, they'll get to a point where, like, hey, look, should I come back next season? Is it time to pass on the reins to somebody else? Is the message getting stale? No. Now you're at a point where, for instance, you want good habits getting into some of these younger players. You want it to have the coaching of a tutelage of a guy who can push and develop, like a guy like Owen Tippett, who's played very well this year and is showing good return on that Giroux trade. Guys who aren't going to be here and do the little things they need to are, you can see that Farabee is already in, in a little bit of trouble because he was benched this past week. Sanheim benched again against uh, against Tampa. So you, you have some problems there. But at the same time, Cutter Gauthier comes in. Just make an example. I'm not saying just him. Cutter Gauthier comes in. You want him. Tortorella wants to install good habits in it. Scott Hartnell has come out and has even said it a bunch of times like, Look, Tudorow's a hard ass, but I wish I had him in 19 or 20 because I would have much better habits than, you know, he got the most out of me. So, you know, that's that's the key um, is that having this type of coach, an old school coach who's going to force you to do the right thing or you're not going to play is really good for young talent because then as they progress in their careers and get better, they will continue those good habits and, and continue and for sustained success. Now. The question isn't so much on Briere because there's not really much you're going to be able to do from here until the end of the season because the trade deadline's over. It's more acclimating. What can we do here? Like, you know, what are the plans? Do we set a plan for the offseason? The bigger plan is what's the next move for the Flyers? Is it Dave Scott? Is it bringing a president of hockey ops? Because there's a couple names floating out there when you talk about the It's going to get stuff. interesting. Before yeah. we get to that, this episode – and I'm curious where this goes because there's a lot of different angles, alumni and non-alumni, that they can do this. And a lot of it excites me. Some of it scares the crap out of me. So we'll see. But as always, this episode of Orange and Backcheck is brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and DraftKings Sportsbook. It is finally here, folks. Are you ready for the underdogs, the upsets, and the unbelievable action from DraftKings Sportsbook? The biggest tournament in college basketball is here. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on college hoops and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Play plus for a limited time. All customers can score a no sweat bet during round one and two, both rounds of the tournament. Get Go to the app, opt in and place a no sweat bet this weekend, this coming weekend. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. Penn State, I cannot, but they are in the semifinals at the time of this recording. 
They are going to make it to the dance. They could be. They are one of the hottest teams in the country. Going to be very interesting to see what they can do in the in the tournament if they make it. I think they're going, but we will see. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the promo code THPN. New customers can bet five dollars and get two hundred dollars in bonus bets instantly. Win or lose, only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. All those are in the show notes. Um, yeah, quite a few names have cropped up suddenly for who could take this, uh, from the president of hockey, hockey operations. If Dave Scott's leaving, what that means, I'm shocked. Well, I'm not really shocked, but like seeing names like Pronger, Eddie Olchek, Eric Lindros, it gets me excited, but then I revert back to. I'm not that excited because you're continuing to just hire from within. Eddie Olchek is obviously not a former flyer, but because of just the historical disdain I have for always reverting back to old players or old philosophy, like just somehow Philadelphia connection in Pronger and Lindros, I am intrigued by the name, but then I think on a more and I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to take that risk. Because you already have Danny Briere here, so like, what, what what what's happening? Well, that's the question. What is happening? I don't think there th- there's going to be stuff that'll leak out from a while, but I think they're probably still figuring it out. Look, I, I don't think there's any question at this point. And, and listen, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. There has to be a change at the top, and I think it's going to start with Dave Scott. So the question is, who becomes in and takes over Dave Scott's role? Is it is it is it Dan Hilford? Who who knows? Um, is it Val Camilla? Uh, who knows? Um, I'm looking directly at the president of hockey operations. Who are you bringing in for that role? It's kind of like a Sam Fold and Dave Dombrowski type deal that you have with the Phillies. You know who's gonna who's gonna be a part of that role? Um, I, I, dude, as soon as I heard it yesterday, I was like, that is right up my. I don't get Eric Lindros because Eric Lindros, he's more of an ambassador. He hasn't really done anything management wise, so I think bringing him in. And learning at that level isn't really the the best situation. I just don't right. It's too it. it's too big of a responsibility for a guy that doesn't have any. Yeah, I, I, I question it. it. I question it. I think yeah. it, you know they 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 may they look they may know him. They talk to me on the inside more than than what we know. Who knows? I just look, without knowing it publicly. It's more of a it's more of a nostalgia thing because he couldn't get it done as a player. Like, how cool would it be if he does make the playoff or does do this at the helm and they win the cup with him at the helm again from the front office perspective instead of being the captain? Like, that is the storyline that they're going for there. I don't think, like you said, I think he just stays as as this ambassador slash advisor type of role, nothing in in an official capacity. Well, there's also... Eddie Olchuk, which was interesting because Eddie Olchuk, you know, broadcaster alongside Doc for all those years, really, really smart guy, knows the game, knows hockey, knows the players. You know, I've done some scouting work before. I think that's a, that's a smart move for a former coach in the NHL. I mean, there could be a possible fit there. Uh, the biggest one I love is Chris Pronger, man. I, 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 because you know why? And not just because he was a flyer. I was just a big fan of Chris Pronger. Pronger is really great because you need someone to kind of be the buffer if, you know, Tortorella really pushes, you know what I mean? Like the only, I mean, I don't know anything about Danny Briere, you know, about being in a room with him and John Tortorella. Maybe they see eye to eye, 
I would assume they do the way that Tortorella's spoken and spoken about him. With 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 Pronger though, man, you having a guy that come in here and go toe to toe with somebody with Tortorella? Oh my God, that would be great. Can you imagine being a final ball for some of those conversations? I feel like Pronger when his, he used to be at a senior advisor role for the um, for the for the Panthers has the experience there, has the connection, and has know how where he's not going to take any shit. Plain and simple, like you have a guy who's just a grumpy person overall, according to Brian Burke. You kind of you kind of need that, and that stubbornness to kind of say we need to go about way. And the name I just mentioned, Brian Burke. I mean. Brian Burke mentioned before that there was a team that reached out to him about wanting to be the general manager and president of hockey operations a couple of years ago. Guarantee you that was for Chuck Fletcher. I can guarantee it was probably for the Flyers, um, which I would believe. I'm not sure. It just makes sense to me. But, you know, it seems like the Pittsburgh thing for him is going to be a short-term thing, not long-term. Maybe if he doesn't come back to Pittsburgh after this season, all he has to do is move across state. I, I think that people... I'm a huge Brian Burke fan. I think not just because of his moves on the ice, but of all the community service things and you know that he's done for over the um, over the years for the hockey and really putting the name of hockey out there. And his teams play a specific way. They play; they're tough to play against. They trade chances, but they won't back down from a fight, and they won't they won't play trap hockey. And I, I think that's really important that to get the identity for the fans back on the ice would be to have a specific style of team for that. And Tortorella fits that mold for that. Um, I I just really believe that there's there's a lot of options that could happen this season, but it needs to be the right hire in each position for this team to make sure. Yeah, that you can't mess. No, you can't you absolutely can't miss a stand because it's going to take some time. You got to get Briere rope and you got to, you got to, you got to give this, the team rope now to say, hey, look, we know it's multi-year. They're rebuilding the whole front office. I agree. I, I I do think if it is Briere, I I would I really the more we're talking about it, I really really think they need to go veteran on both fronts, not just director of hockey operations, you or president of hockey operations. You need a veteran GM too that has done this, that has been a part of this, whether that is an assistant GM. Uh, don't touch anything that involves the rebuild of, of an Arizona team, but like Detroit. Columbus, no, Columbus sucks too. Like it's it's really tough what they're gonna look for. I just want them to go outside, go outside the box. A veteran, whether it's an assistant GM, Ray Shiro, Ray Shiro's out there too. Stanley Cup with Pittsburgh, repeat built the Devils of today. Here's the other thing too. In that meeting that Chuck Fletcher with season ticket holders got booed, they immediately applauded. We love you, Danny. We, we how, good to see you, Danny. All that stuff. I understand. Everyone understands that in sports, when you become a player and then a coach, transition, make that transition. You are setting yourself up for failure, no matter what. Because at some point, you're hired to be fired. You're going to be fired at some point. Yeah, of course. Like, do we really want to go through this? Like, of well, Danny couldn't get it done because he was given such a short hand as a rookie GM to try and rebuild a major franchise in Philadelphia. Cause as we've said, when the flyers are good, it's good for the NHL. When the Rangers are good, it's good for the NHL. When the major markets are good, it's great for the NHL. And that's what the NHL has a, an interest. I don't know if not to go conspiratorial, but they have an interest in getting the flyers good again. Like that, that that's just a fact. Like if the NHL can get the flyers good again, it means butts and seats. It means television ratings and all that good stuff. Is it fair to have Danny Breer lead that? And that's where I'm just like, go outside. But 
if it is him, how long is that rope that you're referring to? Is it a year? Is it four years? Is it five years? Or is it just all predicated on when the booze start raining on Danny Briere from that fan base that cheered him just last week at the season ticket order meeting? Listen, I, I think that at this point, Fletcher's gone. So they got what they needed. And they can't really knock Danny for, yes, he's not a part of it, but he wasn't the GM. I mean, they're keep they're keeping Brent Flair on as of right now as well, who is Chuck Fletcher's assistant GM. Yeah, so, which is not a move that they should be doing. Like anyone that's knows? where I but who knows? He's running the Phantoms. The AGM runs the Phantoms. So and the GM runs the NHL franchise. So that's the thing is that usually they would, you know, you have like um, you know, Fletcher and Flair as a as a package deal type deal, but if the Flair stays on, like, you know, that's something that could be it could be possible. Look. I, we, we, we have to give, we have to give the, not just Briere because who knows we're talking as he is the GM. He could be president of hockey ops and they could bring in another GM around that too. That's very possible, but you have to give the team rope at this point, not saying that you have to like it, but you got to give a team, the team rope to rebuild it, to rebuild it. If we are talking about people that were working under Chuck Fletcher, why should we give them rope? Even if it is Danny Briere, why should we? Because it was because you can let him run the team the way he wants to, not the way Chuck Fletcher wanted to. But is if Danny Briere was learning the ropes? I mean, I know we talked about the ECHL thing, uh, and he learned there. But like at the NHL level, it's different than ECHL. Like that's just natural; it's how it goes. Like, do we do we trust this for him to have learned the right stuff when Chuck Fletcher fell flat on his face? Wasn't aggressive in the right times. He was not the GM. At at the end of the day, Fletcher made the decisions. And the problem was from from what reports were out there is he couldn't make a decision, which is part of the problem. Listen, when you have an app on your phone that you're trying to get trade value for, obviously that's something that's that's just absurd. Let you you have to have somebody, regardless if it's internal or not, come in here and let them identify the the way they want to run. I mean, for example, look what Bobby Clark left. When Bobby Clark quit in 0607 and retired, Holmgren came in and Holmgren ran the team the way he wanted to run it. And guess what? The next year they were back in the playoffs and two years later they were in the final. So, yes, were the circumstances different? A little bit, yes. Because they had talent in Carter and Richards and they had a young core. But he came in and he saw the team and he ran it the way he saw fit. Made a big, bold move in 09 of requiring Pronger getting goaltending and Marty Biron going out and trying to get a, a Ray Emery after he was banished to the KHL for a season, did everything that he could, but he ran it his way. And then when that team got stale, he tried to rebuild a little bit. One with the Giroux core, Simmons, Voracek, Steve Mason, you know, the problem was back then was the defense and that's what really put them under. But they, the point is that you had home come in and at least try something like that. You had, you had Russ Farwell came in to, you know, 30 years ago, Acquired Lindros, kind of a similar to Chuck Fletcher's tenure didn't turn out great. Clark came in and Clark got him to a final, and then Clark got him to another final. And then when the new NHL came around, they thought they were doing the right thing by signing Hatcher and Rathje. My point is, is that you can't just judge a book by its cover. You can't just say, oh, because he's Fletcher, he must be tainted. No, absolutely not. That's not fair at all. You have to give, at least give the team a little bit of rope here at some point and say, look, whether they keep him in this role or put him in present hockey ops, they're making changes and they want to make changes to make this team better. 
And that's even if it's Briere, if it's somebody else, or if it's another GM, Briere's president of Hockey Ops. You have to give the team time to say, this is the way we want to run it. Let's go ahead and, and make certain moves because, you know what? We know what we need to do here. This is the way we want to run it. Yeah, I, do, I, I can't. It's hard to argue that. It's just the distrust is so high that everyone feels tainted. That's where that's really that's really it's what just it trust. Comes down to. Yeah, they don't trust yeah. us. But you know what? Clean slate now. Fletcher's gone. They made the right move. More moves are on the way. When they happen, people are probably be like, "Oh my god, they're really cleaning house and all this stuff." When that happens, yeah, they'll start it. to get it. Yeah, people will start to say, "Okay, we're we know what we're doing now." The big thing is just knowing that addressing it's going to be a multi-year process is huge, and I think that people are very happy with the fact now that the team is admitting that it needs to kind of tear things down and re- rebuild. Whatever, yeah. It if just you want an aggressive a retool or, you know, retool. If I hear aggressive retool one more time, because it seemed like they're venturing away from that too. Like it's just a multi-year process. Well, this is, is an aggressive retool of the front office. It's aggressive to fire somebody on a Friday. Yeah. Such a cowardly <laughs> move. As soon as it broke. Mm-hmm. Who broke it? I forget, I forget who broke uh, it. Who it, was, broke. Uh, it was Olivia Ryder and Gianna, uh, Gianna, um, Gianna Han from the Inquirer. Good, good work by them. Great work by them. Great work. Shout out to them. Uh, yeah. So more to come. I think they continue to bomb it, bottom out. I, I really do. Uh, we'll see more players come in. Uh, draft picks like Tar- Tyson Farser that just made his debut a couple nights ago. Uh, Carolina won nothing loss. Rack them up the losses. Just at that point, this, at the, we're at that point. Get yeah, back the one kind game of dark- that Sandstrom plays really well, they can't score a goal for the guy. That sucks. Yeah, that sucks. And was that the same game that he benched uh, Sandheim in the second period in Faraby, I think? Oh, no, that was against the Lightning. That was against Carter the played okay. that game. He fell behind the net, which I thought was hilarious. Shocking. Mm-hmm. All right. That's, that is going to do it. Oh, go ahead. I want to say one thing. Uh, this has been, please, if Flyers country, if you're listening, please bring us Chris Pronger back. Please. Please. I can't make my voice any higher. It would be cool. Yeah. that. Ooh, rest your voice. That was bad. That was bad. Yeah. Your, your voice is at the end of the rope, just like this podcast. It is. It is. Thank you so much for listening. This is episode 145 of Orange and Backcheck. As always, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Our TikTok is blowing up. Please give us a follow. It's all in the description below, along with the terms and services on the restrictions for when you sign up for DraftKings using promo code THPN. Orangeandbackcheck.gmail.com. If you have a question for us, please give us a follow. Listen to us. Subscribe. Tell a friend. We want to hear from you. Have a good one. Please, please give me Chris Pranger and a voice also.